Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. We're also on BitChute and YouTube. You'll find the links in the podcast description. I'm also a podcasting coach, and I've got four other podcasts. You'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. Today, my guest, it's a spiritual coach for mental and emotional well-being and the founder of Light Trails Co., Martin Tice. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for the intro. Yeah, no problem. So I suppose the best thing is you might let the listeners know who's Martin. Yeah, I, that, that that's, that's the, <laughs> the hardest question right at the beginning. Um, I feel like I constantly uh, rediscover myself, you know, so it's really a difficult question to answer. But in a in a sense, I'm I'm really intent on creating value, creating some kind of forward movement where we can, as a society, move out of current habits. And uh, I often say to people that my greatest motivation is to relieve the world from suffering and pain. And this might be a really high goal, but I just see the difference in everyday in our everyday life, how when the individual is able to move through that, how their whole system their whole experience changes and also the decisions they make in the world what goods they consume how they take care of the planet and so this is just like for me the greatest mission why i love the things that i do and am motivated to keep doing them beautiful so i we're going to just slightly touch on the the speaking and then i want to delve into what you're doing because it's kind of fascinating for me so you as a young child because i know you've done workshops and everything what's your kind of speaking journey so my speaking journey as you mentioned um when i was in my teens i was a counselor for uh young adults they were going to vacations and we were kind of counseling these vacations and the very first speaking engagements that in that sense that I had was speaking in front of these 50 children right so that was my first stage and to getting used to speaking and sometimes like sometimes missing the point seeing that I didn't really get it across my message they weren't really listening so they were a really interesting crowd to to try out all these things and uh, at later points, I found out in the in the university or any other places, I was uh, a president of the student body, and I was holding a speech when I think someone important was leaving the school, and I was just like having this speech for that person. That was a really exciting time in my life because there were these thousand people. We were in a church because it was a Catholic church, a Catholic school. And so that was really like stage fright for the first time, like big time, I would say when I was, I was used to speaking in front of people, but this was feeling a little different and I had troubles breathing. And then uh, from that, I would just say, um, it just kept on, kept on going. I had podcasts like this, or I was leading a convention with a couple of friends, a, a digital convention where we had these workshops and round tables. It's just like this organic, going in and out, speaking engagement, small groups, bigger groups. And yeah, that's my that's my journey so far. Okay. Excellent. So I believe you're German, but you're also you travel to Norway and Hawaii. You might let me know what's that all about. It's just uh, loving those places. I, I mentioned before when we met, 
um, Ireland, I loved Ireland, but it was just not my weather because that winter when I was there, we had 90 consecutive days of storm and rain, like all, all day. And as much as I love some places, I'm, I'm kind of like a cat, you know, I don't like to get wet too much. Snow is different and uh, in the tropics, rain is also different because it's warm, but the cold kind of weather that gets into your bones is not really my my favorite climate, I would say. And so just Norway, Norway feels like something that has been cons constantly calling me. I was living in Oslo and I really enjoyed the time there. And since then, I'm trying to get back and uh, move there actually next year. And Hawaii is just my my kind of like the soul soul home. When I when I got there the first time, I just felt I arrived home, you know. So it's this this feeling. It's more of a feeling than anything else. I feel very alive and connected to the nature and to the people, especially the people. I love speaking Norwegian. It's a funny language. Swedish is the more beautiful of the Scandinavian languages because they sing so much. But Norwegian has something that really appeals to me. So it's a, it's a combination. And singing, I suppose, where I come from in Cork, they're kind of known for singing as they speak. But uh, I, I wouldn't uh, go back to Ireland. I love it. I love, you know, that they don't build on the coastline and everything. But yeah. that's the thing. You kind of, if you go to Ireland, bring an umbrella, bring some water. And it's a shame because it's such a beautiful country. Yeah, and I I feel like I've never really experienced the cold that I experienced there. It's not as as cold actually because the climate is quite moderate, right? But this chill. It's I've the westerly felt, yeah. winds because yeah. even here, no, I'm in Poland and yeah, it's minus at the moment, minus three or whatever, and it feels colder in Ireland because with the winds. And yeah. Here, you just get used to the snow, and it's like once you wrap up, it's not too bad. But I tend to, and I don't know, but like when the time you were there but i i noticed that through the years that i got ill a lot more in ireland i rarely get sick here and mm -hmm. it, it, i think it's because of the wind it's just constant because i mean you rarely wrap up you know and yeah it's just you know, being exposed to the elements all the time yeah definitely so um no no way to me uh and and scandinavia even canada this kind of region the the tundric region is where it, where it, it gets cold it's a little gray in the November time, but once the first snowfall, it gets much brighter, even though you have less sunlight, you know, it's just like a different experience of winter. And uh, I mean, I don't have to tell anyone what is beautiful about Hawaii because it's kind of like all over the place that's being marketed by all these different companies, right? That beautiful landscape and the ocean, but it's just really the, the aloha spirit, the way the people treat each other. I mean, it's an island. You you can relate to that. People are act. People are different on an island because we are a community. We are dependent on each other's help, and so this whole spirit of the people who live there and being able to be in the ocean as much as I am is just something that really appeals to me. And that's a long version of exp explaining what draws me to these different places. Okay, so with the like the spiritual coach, like what's your own spiritual journey? Because I know you've gone to Eckhart Tolle's retreats, you've done some stuff in Ireland. You might just kind of take me through your kind of journey in the way that it kind of evolved. Yeah, so the the the, the foundation is shamanic journeys. When I was still studying in Cologne, I stumbled into a shamanic shamanic journey 
seminar that a friend had gone before me and he told me you got to try this out and so for those of of the the audience who don't don't know shamanic journeys is basically like a meditative state where we connect with our subconscious and images come up feelings come up maybe sensations in the body and this kind of work is what we do in order to kind of let go of old patterns and and look at how am I behaving in certain situations? Whereas trauma, maybe there's this traumatic, <clears throat> excuse me, traumatic experience that I'm shown and that I could release and all these, it's a very, very um, integrated and holistic way of working. And so I started with this because I loved it so much. When I moved to Cork, I was looking for something similar and I found this um, practitioner who, who was doing shamanic journeys and shamanic work and so I on I kind of went into his studio there and learned a little bit more from him and the difference between those teachings were that uh, in Germany I was taught northern American shamanism if you want and in Ireland I I got an introduction into the more southern American approach which is similar but there are quite uh, certain distinctive differences and then from there I would say continuously absorbing spiritual teachings, books, and going to seminars like the Eckhart Tolle retreat, which is something that I never really thought would, would impact me as much as it did in November 22, because it's such a different way of being in a retreat with such a person that is holding so much space and is able to bring that energy right into the room. You know, it just feels like being elevated. By, by this person who's so present and so aware. And so the, the journey has been really um, becoming more and more open, letting go of patterns and receiving teachings and becoming this person that I always knew I, I wanted to be because I was suffering so much, if that makes any sense. I was in so much pain that it was to me, I just felt like called to work with this because it made me feel better and it made me feel lighter. And through that, I got inspired to help along others and to, to use all these, all these alleys that are kind of like, it, was, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a straight path, right? There were many, many errors and many ways where I had to retract and go back and found something out. And so I feel like all these, all this stumbling around in the spiritual realm, I just wanted to condense, condense my, my um, experience into something where I could pe help people along. If I had found a direct approach at the time, it would have been nice, but it wasn't if that makes any sense. So it was the, the journey was the goal in a sense. And so this is, this is basically where I was at, you know, stumbling through life until I found some kind of sense and, and security inside of me to know, okay, it doesn't really matter where I am or what I'm doing, as long as I'm connected, staying connected with that. And is that kind of mainly through breath work that when you're, connecting or what's the the way that you're doing it i would say the breath is the the biggest foundation it's not as a special technique or 
a way of of connecting through the breath but when we go or when i go through a shamanic journey and i experience something um if i stop breathing or if i'm getting more unconscious if i'm getting tired then uh, the breath would be the best way to stay connected to that emotion and oftentimes in 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 facilitating this i realize when people start breathing shallowly or um they kind of like start to suppress an emotion that is coming up to just remind them of staying in touch with that emotion through the breath so i would say it's a foundation but it's not necessarily a special kind of approach like a a power breath in the yoga or something it is really just becoming aware how am i breathing keeping on breathing deeply and to release that um not or cloddedness you know to just like being able to breathe through an emotion rather than to try to get rid of it or suppress it and because sometimes when somebody uh, an emotion surfaces you know they they kind of a trigger something that they had forgotten about didn't realize had happened and they go i suppose the pain comes out there and then yeah. And then later they tend to go through a transition that it they're able to kind of wash their hands and they they're, they're a new person because of it. But like being supportive of, of a person that goes through that because sometimes you know there's people doing this and they're they're not they don't have a facilitator let's say yeah. to kind of look at because I yeah. see I've been at situation I I I think it would be more heavy breath work that causes this but I have witnessed it and. The fact that the people kind of knew what they were doing, they were able to comfort them and everything was OK. But I, I can imagine because there's a lot of times there's people out there, they go away and they don't go down the deep journey that you've done and kind of readjust and make sure that you really get this. They they kind of do a week's weekends course and they go away and start doing this. Yeah. And it's kind of making sure, I suppose, that you know that you're doing it with the right person. I agree, absolutely. And I feel um, at least my journey has taught me that we have we have safeties, like subconscious safeties. If we're not able to cope with something, our energy usually drops. So uh, we get tired or we um, kind of like maybe use substances, which is not the best way. But we, we, we have coping mechanisms that help us to, if it's too much for right now, we will probably find Ali's to go through or to use in order to not have to confront this emotion if it is too much. But if it isn't, I feel like we can we can establish uh, a routine like in stretching. I, I love to use that analogy with stretching because we can stretch really, really um, mindful with our body and we can go to a point where there's certain discomfort but we can help the tendons and the muscles to relax into that or we can go way too deep in that and everything just like really is going tense and you're not really doing anything except for hurting yourself and so to just be very mindful with that and to use the breath in order to touch that emotion and then to to just be with it as much as we can and to keep on breathing and to i think the the, the best way to really approach this is to know 
this the only way really to to let go of this emotion that is here right now is to feel it and to go through with it because if i try to do anything else if i want it to be away or if i try to suppress it or suppress it it will persevere and to know well this is un uncomfortable now but um the more i feel it and the more i'm able to accept this the lesser it will get it's a little bit it's like being wanting like this is really sometimes difficult for me to express but sometimes we have a certain emotion that we that we are masochistic about kind of like we love that it hurts if that makes any sense and so by really feeling feeling that emotion it it slips away and that 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 is something where i feel we ha we have to learn to let go of that the more it hurts if we look a sad movie for example it really is a beautiful feeling of being sad and crying at least for me and so but to realize that this is just an emotion and is it is not defining my life this is not defining me and that surrender to that gives way to also just being more peaceful and that's the best way i i could describe it if that if that makes sense of course yeah yeah and i know you kind of touch as well on say burnout because a lot of people just true the way you know sometimes a lot of people unfortunately have to do a lot of jobs these days just to, yeah. to you know put a roof over their head and pay the the bills but there's two kind of sides in this one is the individual and two the spouse you know or the family around them it's one kind of the signs for identifying it does it get to a stage where you can actually you know spot it before it goes too extreme and the the other kind of continuing from that then is kind of solutions when it gets to this stage because i mean i unfortunately a lot of people experience burnout absolutely and i think this is a really um a topic that is i would say oftentimes we are the our unawareness or our mindlessness in terms of we realize what we're doing is is the, the fastest way to get sucked into it and i've experienced minor burnout several times because i've overextended myself i put myself into something out of it or i wanted maybe recognition so i would say burnout is often a, di a disbalance between what I give in and what I receive back. If I give in all my heart and I'm 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 helping in my company, helping all these people, but I'm not looking at my internal energy level and I want something back, back, maybe recognition, maybe a promotion. And as soon as that is not fulfilled, then this disbalance becomes evident to us and we feel burnout. But when we do what we do because we love what we do, and we are in touch with our inner fuel gauge, so to say, then we can more often stop and take care of ourselves. But this is really complex because it's oftentimes about codependencies. I, I am giving you something and you give me something in return, you know, and this, this dependent relationship is often leading to this burnout because um, one, I am, I am, um, in need of something external, you know, and as soon as that is not coming in, 
my my house of cards is collapsing a little bit so i feel the whole topic about burnout is a very individual perspective that we need to take in and to see how is your life how did you design your life how is how is everything unfolding right now and where are codependencies where are your expectations and where are they not being met and how can we work on that needing external things to satisfy me and how can we kind of like bring that into inner alignment and say well i'm here i'm showing up i'm doing what i can but i'm myself and i would say that is the biggest um biggest statement or false belief i'm not good enough that is causing burnout a lot of the time that i'm trying to make something better i'm trying to make my partner happy which is probably the biggest reason oftentimes with the clients that i spoke about that I'm trying to make my partner happy and that's why I'm giving all this energy into this relationship because when my partner is not happy, maybe I, I experience uh, a lot of quarreling. I experience a lot of being put down or something. And so I just try to make them happy, but it's, it's effort. It's like a black hole. I'm putting my energy in, you know? And so I feel it's a very um, complex topic, but we uh, we can learn that there is a solution and the solution is most of the times to just get back to myself, center myself and see what is it that I need in this moment. And if, if my fuel gauge, if my car is filled up, I'm able to support others. But if my tank is empty, I'm not helping anyone. And when when I was in my early 20s, I was working for a construction company running a big project and it was, I know a lot of the times I was kind of eight in the morning till nearly 12 at night when I was, and I got like sciatica, which is a trapped nerve. And I tried loads of things to cure it. And it was like, I got an operation in the end. And what saved me was I got a book healing back pain by Dr. John yeah. Sarno. Yeah. And it was a mental thing. And it like, it's not that the pain didn't exist, but there's so many people that I have recommended that and they've all been yeah. cured. And yeah. I'm wondering, like, because obviously at the time you don't know these things, but I'm wondering later when you can reflect on life and look back, that was probably a burnout because you shouldn't be working them hours. And that it was like your body's way of kind of going, hey, <laughs> stop. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, the book is awesome. I read it because uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer recommended in some of his talks, I think. And so I, I, I experienced back pain and read it. And I think uh, what you say is also true. It is both. It is recognizing that certain circumstances are not perfect, or maybe I would have to arrange my or kind of like make a difference, make a change in my life, but also that our mind is so powerful and that we when we know about something we can really start to think differently about it that it's not my back that is hurting but it is some kind of pain that is manifesting kind of like through my body right and mm -hmm. so to it that helps me to understand well then maybe i need to look at that and if i look at that and if i in integrate this pain my my back is has the possibility of healing or it's just shifting and I have to do some more work. Maybe it goes somewhere into my arm or maybe, you know, but yeah, absolutely. And I suppose it's probably similar with kind of anxiety and depression because like 
I've seen that there's a very high percentage, especially in America, and I think in Ireland as well as so probably the UK, that are you know taking Prozac and the like. And like from from looking at it, all the figures that they create to show that this is actually helpful have been doctored. So there's a real like we're talking less than 10% that might be working. And it's basically the same kind of thing, the brain, because even with the placebo, you know, the sugar pill, they get better results. So it's like your body in this as well is because of some trauma, whether it's work, a relationship or a loss, that your body is reacting in a certain way that's affecting you. And you think then by taking the pill or the operation or something like that, that you're getting the success, but you're not really, you're kind of, it's still there. Absolutely. And I think uh, in order to, to maybe to, to um, bring that, bring that point to, to the audience, Do- uh, Dr. Sarno, Sarno uh, found out that all the operations that had been done on the people's backs were mostly ineffective or the pain came back. I just wanted to reiterate that for the audience. And so the same with, if we just look at the symptom of a depression or something, and we take like the, these really heavy medicines, I've, I've never taken any antidepressants, but from what I heard from people, it's really making a big impact in people's lives. And you're not real, you're kind of like in that, what that's a, my assumption, zombie mode, kind of like not really. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've never myself, but that's yeah. what I've heard as well. And from people I know that take it, that's what they say. So. So um, we, we have taken something that is curing the, the symptom, but we're not looking at the actual cause for that. And that's why I feel these shamanic journeys have been so helpful for me because I've been, I've been really consciously going into the roots of certain things and looking at that as painful as it was, it was helping me to really start working at the root and to alleviate that rather than to just take something that would help me in feeling better in this moment, you know? And Mm. I think once we understand that these, that these, that these pain symptoms that we feel and these maybe also mental, mental things that come up in our lives are just helping us to realize there's something that is festering somewhere. And once I take a look at it, it will get better. I think, Don Miguel Ruiz says in his fourth uh, four agreements that we have to cut open the wound, we have to clean the wound, disinfect the wound, and then it it has a chance to heal. But if we don't do anything, this this wound will just will start to really get worse and worse, right? And so, yeah. No, excellent. So I know you've uh, created a thing called Life, the abbreviation Life. So you might just yes. touch on that. What that's all about. So it is um, my my way of putting this holistic system that I was taught um, into practice. And life means learn, integrate, fuel, and evolve. And the reason why I love this this acronym is because we're never really done. When we start learning, we integrate our learning, and then we fuel that, whatever we, we integrated, we fuel that for our evolving, for the evolution. But when we evolve, evolve, we still get to the, because it's a circle, we get back to learning. We learn either something new or we learn a deeper meaning of what we learned, and then we integrate that and fuel that and evolve. So it is a continuous 
um, not a cycle, but kind of like a, um, an upward. Um, how do you say that? If it is a, a, a circle that is going upward, a spiral, yeah. So we're spiraling through that. And uh, I think the biggest myth of spiritual development and the spiritual path is that we're point you do this and then you're you're done you're enlightened you're <laughs> somewhere somewhere completely happy everything is fine your life will be awesome no no problems never again and what helped me was to just realize this is just a different phase or the the fav the famous saying this too shall pass right we're all constantly going from something good into something maybe negative and then it just changes. So the spiral is just my way of teaching that we have tools. And if we apply these tools continuously, we will spiral out of this bad feeling or this depressive feeling or the emotional state with, that we feel right now. It will get better and our baseline will change over time. And I think when you kind of realize, because sometimes think people think that you're going to get to a utopia where everything becomes fantastic. But the reality is there's curveballs all through life and it's kind of your reaction to them. So, you know, if something hits you, whether it's a death, whether it's, a, you know, a fight, a falling out, a business partner, whatever it is, it's you don't let it affect everything. I mean, obviously it's going to, and just like you mentioned earlier with watching a movie, I'd be the same. I watch a movie. Yeah. Tears can come down my eyes. I never, you know, that doesn't bother me. I don't have shame for that. I actually like that. I can embrace a movie and be totally engrossed in it, but then I can step out and kind of continue with my life. And I think it's the same with that. When you get the curveball, Yeah. Yeah. It's not that you just, but you get to brush yourself down a lot faster by actually being more connected with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 in in being open, as you said, to say, well, this is how I feel right now. The other day, I got really angry because I looked at something in in the environment that was happening, and I was really really mad because it makes me so frustrated to see that we could we could be living in a world so much different, and there is just like it's not. And then when whenever we attach our like our seeing things and the outcome that madness but to say well it makes me angry there are so many things in this world that aren't going well and there's so much that we can live for to to make this world a better place but to feel that anger and to say well okay this is how i feel right now but to not hold on to it as you said to just let it go and then something beautiful, maybe a tree, a flower, a person, a dog, whatever comes that fills our heart with joy. And then to say, well, but in this world, there's also so many beautiful things, so much love, so much care, so many people who do amazing work and they're never recognized, you know, these, these unknown saints in a way. So they're everything, <laughs> the whole, the whole palette is given and to just see that is that is the journey of life basically and to not stick to any emotion or hold on to it well, exactly and just and kind of you know we all would love a nicer world we're kind of aware of so much of the evil corruption that's going on but even people that are kind of because i've one podcast that's exposing fraud and corruption but with solutions and uh, there's there's a lot of people that were doing the same and they they kind of one in the research 
it got to him. So they weren't able to disconnect themselves later. I mean, it's not that, I mean, there's times I'll actually research a guest and I will cry because of just knowing what they've went through or it, it is so sad, but I'm, I know I'm able to park that. But the other thing then is the attacks because you've got whether their bots are actually just people and they get engrossed in the actual connection with that. Whereas I don't, I can separate it. I can kind of determine straight away, is this a, a real person? But there's times that I can actually just come from compassion because it's kind of like hurting people hurt. And I'll write something, but I'll write it in a way I'm never attacking them. And so, so many times it's just, but there's times then you know that, okay, just this is, you're never going to win with this. But the majority, unfortunately, majority of people, they go on the attack when they're doing something. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the battle. And they just kind of, yeah. it just spirals. But when you come after and just reply, I mean, there's times I actually go, I, I would give reference to my meditation podcast and it just stops then. Cause it's kind of like, I'm just making a point that obviously does that without even attacking them. And I find yeah. that I've seen people, there was one guy, he had something like 60,000 followers and he just quit because he got attacked of it so many times and not to let that get to you. And I even, yeah. you'd hear the likes of Joe Rogan, you hear a load of the top guys, they don't even read the comments because what they say, and it's kind of, I suppose it's kind of touching on most of the social media. It's like, I could have 99 people praising me and saying, brilliant, I'm 1% abusing me. And where's your yeah. energy go? The majority yeah. of people, they just look at the, the person that's abusing them. And that's what they kind of, their reality becomes then. Instead of just turning off that tap and just looking at all the love that's coming in your direction. Absolutely. I mean, this is where we're talking about master level in a sense, right? To decide where, where am I putting my focus? Am I putting my focus on those who support me and who love what I'm doing? Or am I letting this one person, maybe it's more, maybe 10, just trigger me? And I think while we have this conversation, I feel uh, the way of the peaceful warrior, the book, I'm just listening to it right now. And I think the, our autonomy over our emotions and not blindly reacting to a stimulus is like the greatest freedom that we can bring into our lives, that something is happening and at least having some sort of awareness, okay, this is making me angry. Do I want to be angry? Do I want to hold on to that anger? Or will I, do I want to fight this person? Do I want to get into this actual battle? Or will I realize this is leading me nowhere except for losing a ton of energy. And then at the end of the day, I feel like crap because it's been like, it's been highly negative, negative and toxic, that conversation that I had. Absolutely. I think this is really a great skill to develop, like you said, to really say something that interrupts that conversation, but also brings awareness and brings a higher kind of way of awareness into this conversation. And I know you touch on, say, like the tree of abundance or the, the tree of healing. You might just kind of touch on that, what, what exactly you're, you mean by that. Yeah, so they, those are uh, beginner's shamanic journeys. And um, it, is, it is a journey when we look at we are not used, we as general society, we are not used to... Um, doing this kind of conscious dream-like work, right? Where we go into this different kind of reality where we walk around or we explore and experience things. And in order to make it easy, 
the tree of abundance or the tree of health are just simple journeys where it is not a human being that we're meeting or a totem animal that we're asking, uh, are you my totem animal? It's a tree. It's a relatively simple organic structure. And so I go, if the assignment is to go to the tree of healing, I just go in my shamanic journey and I find a tree. I look at that tree. What kind of tree is it? And what season are we looking at it? How are the leaves looking? What is it? What is its state? You know? And so when I did many, many years ago, my tree uh, of healing, I found that was a birch tree. And so I, it is something where I know that, I mean, the birch is a tree in, in Russia and many, many Eastern European countries is highly, like it's a highly sacred tree because of its healing capacities. But for me personally, whenever I am around birch trees, I know they are my healing tree, right? And so I can just be with them and, I could even drink birch juice or something that is really healthy physiologically, but it's just for me to know what tree, tree is my tree of healing. And if I need some healing to go also visit the tree and to just realize something. And it is, it is often difficult to talk about these journeys in general, because we as, as these travelers in the journeys, it is so highly individual what we find out. Your tree of healing experience would be completely different from mine, you know? And so these, these um, beginner journeys I just offer because it makes it easy for us to, to experience this non-ordinary reality and to make and find value and find benefits and information that we can use in our everyday life. And with that knowledge to bring change and sustainable advancements in our lives and uh, finally i know you're working creating uh, aloha foundation so you might just kind of touch on what your dream and mission for that yes so um many years ago also in in a in a workshop and it was a shamanic journey workshop my teacher asked us to write down short-term, mid-term, long-term goals and impossible goals we think are impossible. And uh, we, did a, we did a shamanic journey and after that we, we compiled this list. And so in this journey, I had, a, I had a, a, a minor vision, I would say. It wasn't really complex about a place where people could come and heal and transform, where there was some kind of agricultural uh, um, supporting that that place and uh, it was an image that I saw about coffee and so long story of this vision is that I thought okay this felt like a, a tropical place so I wasn't sure in the beginning if it was Jamaica or maybe Hawaii because those were two places I had really um, a lot of good vibrations about and so by inquiring into this process, it, it, it slowly evolved that on the big island of Hawaii, there is a very, very well-known coffee growing region that is called Kona and that they sell one of the most expensive coffees in the world. And that was not because it, it is important that it's so well-known, but it means that growing this kind of coffee would be making it 
possible for such a sanctuary or institution to grow this coffee, sell the coffee, and to reduce the cost for people to stay there. The main part of this vision is for me that it is about creating a network of like sanctuaries or refuges where people can come that usually wouldn't be able to afford retreats that that are currently offered you know i've i've looked around in in the world some years ago and i saw how many how many thousands of dollars these retreats cost and so it feels like we need in this world places where many people have access to these places of transformation where they can be in a safe space and be whatever they need to experience and this the sanctuary that i that i saw was never really about you have to contribute you have to work on the field or you have to work the coffee trees you have to do something but it is just like how can the work that I'm doing support me in the process that I'm doing right now. And the best example would be if I'm working with my anger, it would be really nice to have a structure to just tear down, maybe with a sledgehammer and to bring it all down and to really let that anger come up. And for me to be have a have a way to work with that, you know, or to build something because I'm in a phase of my life where I really want to express myself. I want to bring my creativity out. And so I'm building maybe something that is artistic or even functional, you know? And so this sanctuary was always meant as a place where people can be, they don't have to add anything and they can contribute whatever it is they need to contribute in order to grow and heal and um, have a way of doing that without having to pay tons of money because we all need these kind of places. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, you're dead right. I mean, most of these things, they're kind of normally minimum three grand up to 10k and more. And the majority of people can't afford that. Most people are, are living week to week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, you're right. It is it is costly. And um, yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Well, I wish you super success with that. So you might uh, let people know how can they get in contact with you? So I have a website, uh, lighttrails.co is my website. And I um, am on LinkedIn and YouTube. I'm in the process of releasing meditations and shamanic journeys on YouTube. So uh, if you if you bear with me, (laughs) I I will, I will, uh, I will do it. And I have started doing it. And other than that, just reach out, you know, lighttrailsco and send me a message through that website or book a call, whatever I can support you with. Absolutely. My, my work is, like we talked about, based on shamanic journeys, but this is just the foundation. Whatever you want to work on, emotional well-being is my focus, but we can we can incorporate other things as well. Okay, excellent. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, Martin. I'll make sure I put the links both in the audio and the video. So thank you so much. And I really appreciate appreciate you having me. Thank you. No worries. So that's all for the speaking podcast and the meditation podcast, because I mentioned that at the start, this might be suitable for both the meditation. So you'll find it on the meditation as well. Find everything about me, my Florida podcasts and my coaching bio.link forward slash podcaster. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five star rating, share with your friends. Until next week, take care.